It's the Bible Rundown with Pastor David. And Pastor Rob. Hey, look at that. We introduced ourselves. Day 124, 1 Kings 16 through 18. Rob, the northern kingdoms in shambles, right? Yeah. Uh, I had to make, look at my little pretty little graph. I had to yeah. write out all these names just to help me keep track <laughs> of who's related to who and where they're all coming from. Nice. But basically... After Nadab, the son of Jeroboam, we go through Basha, who lasts for a while, right? 24 years is no small time of rule. But within that period, immediately after, we go from Elah to Zimri to Tibni and Omri that we're going to see in chapter 16. Yeah. But I think it's clear that sin is just totally decimating the northern kingdom. And it's going to give rise to an even more wicked man but we'll see in a moment. Yeah. But before we get to that they wicked have. man, uh, what do you see in chapter 16? Uh, well, <clears throat> I think it's interesting in your little chart, you see all the different kings of the northern kingdom, the shorter reigns of them. But I think one of the things that you see is the line, the lineage is breaking. So yeah. you see multiple times in 16 and 17 that the kings... And their families, and there was no lineage left. And so yeah. a new person takes that throne. And so I think you're, what you're seeing is the David's throne and the lineage of David as an important event because he will, his kingdom will last forever. So mm-hmm. this lineage of David stands in which the northern kingdom has multiple different lineages that last one generation and then they're gone. Yeah. In the kingship. And then at the end of chapter 16, in the 38th year of King Asa's rule in Judah, which he is on the throne for a long time, Ahab, the son of Omri, begins to rule, and he marries a woman named Jezebel from Jezreel. Yeah. This is not going to be good. Don't She's, name your kid Jezebel. Don't name her a Jezebel. She's Sidonian. And then they, at the end of 16, not only are they erecting altars to Baal um, in Samaria, Asherah poles, but what does this guy, Hael, or Heel, do? He rebuilds Jericho, Mm, which if we go back to Joshua 6, the curse that Joshua said, yeah, cost you the life of your firstborn. We're going to flash forward. And the people that live within the rebuilt Jericho, Elisha comes and visits them and they complain that the land is unfruitful, they don't have water, and it's clear that Jericho is a cursed place. And so sometimes if we, maybe the principle for us, if we rebuild our life on past sins Mm. and things that we know we were supposed to run from or repeat the sins of our fathers as we kind of have that saying, God disciplines us, right? That's good stuff. But Elijah, and Elijah is a dude. Mm. What are we to make of Elijah's life and the timing of his prophetic ministry in Israel? Yeah, so it's interesting. He, it's, it's not necessarily stated here, but he prays and withholds the rain. Mm-hmm. James talks about this in James chapter 5 that a man of God, uh, prayer of the righteous man availeth much. But he even says 
that that Elijah Elijah was just a man, right? Right. Like us. So the idea is that this dude is a dude, but he's also a man of prayer. Like mm-hmm. he prays, things happen. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing what what happens here. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Hmm. Then he prayed again, the heavens gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Interesting. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So, Elijah's a man of prayer. He causes it to not rain, David, and God provides for him through a widow of Zarephath. He also provides for the widow. Yes. Right? Yeah. So if we go back, what we read a couple weeks ago in Luke 4, 25-26, Jesus refers to this story. And he says, But in truth I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. So it's interesting, right? Elijah is a prophet of Israel, but is sent out into the wilderness, is fed by wild ravens mm, and good. natural water. Who does this sound like? Right. John the Baptist, right? Right. Um, but even Jesus, when he himself is called into the wilderness to face temptation for 40 days and 40 nights... Which Elijah himself is going to face 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. Right. So is there some type of connection that we are to make with Elijah and what we see in the gospel accounts with John the Baptist and the ministry of Jesus going to those outside of Israel to bless them? Well, we also, we also see Elijah in the transfiguration, right? Yeah, I mean, with Moses, right? Elijah and Moses... 40 days fasting is the common denominator between them two, but they represent the prophets and the law. God gives the law to Moses during those 40 days. Mm-hmm. Elijah, he he gives a new prophet, which is Elisha, which is the understanding of the, of the passing of the torch of God's prophet. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you have the law and the prophets as the main books of the Bible of the Old Testament speaking to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So here you go. You know, you have all these ties, right? But this widow, it's interesting. The widow in her, in, in this story, God tells Elijah to go to the widow and God provides for Elijah through the faithfulness of the widow, also providing for the widow. Hmm. And then the son becomes ill and dies. Why do bad things happen to good people? Yeah, Rob? this is a good question, right? Like, why, why does this happen in this story? Like, I thought God was orchestrating... Elijah's good, and the widow was involved in this. Why does the the son die? What do you think? I think it's it's a it's a test, right? I mean, look at Elijah's prayer. He cries out to the Lord in verse twenty, "Lord, my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourn by killing her son?" 
I mean, I think uh, we we talked about this recently on a midweek. When we don't know the why, we can cling to the fact that we know the who. And Elijah, that's what we see here. He doesn't understand why this Mm -hmm. is happening. So he cries out to God. And to your point about effectual prayer, he stretches him out upon the child three times, asks the Lord that the child's life would come back. The Lord listens to the voice of Elijah, revives the son and brings him back. So I think the life of Elijah, these miracles and incredible works of God are centered on what? Prayer. Prayer. Yeah, can you imagine laying yourself on a dead person's body one time, no. praying and asking the Lord to deliver him, and then getting up and he doesn't? Doing it again two mm-hmm. times, mm-hmm. and then he doesn't do it, and then having the faith to get on to him a third time. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and later it'll say seven times. He says that the rain is coming, Right, and he goes to him. Go look right. seven times to king right. to the king. Right, who's going to kill him? Yeah, seven times. He trusts the Lord, not the first time. Continuously, right. And I think with Elijah, we're going to see it. Chapter eighteen has this pinnacle moment, right, where he calls down fire and it consumes his sacrifice, showing that the the prophets of Baal are powerless, right. impotent compared to God. But then what's the next scene? He flees. He, he fears for his life because Jezebel wants to kill him. And so he goes and hides in a cave. So Elijah, I think for us that desire to be warriors in the faith um, and be strong in the faith, we can rest in the fact that Elijah himself, even seeing these things, still struggles in the flesh mm-hmm. with with uncertainty or doubt. Right. And then you have this huge, you know, power power struggle, right? Oh, Between the, the prophets of Baal and Elijah. Mm-hmm. Just one prophet of God. Yep. And he brings the people together and says, you know, is Baal is Baal relieving himself? <laughs> is he, Maybe he's asleep. Maybe he's 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 had a hard day and needs a rest. What a scene, though, right? I mean, these these prophets are cutting themselves. Uh, like, they're supposed to be sacrificing to their God, and they're, in a sense, sacrificing themselves to a, a mute, deaf idol, Baal. Right. right. And then Elijah says, hey, get some jugs of water, pour it all over my offering. And they do it multiple times, right? Yeah. And then fire comes down, consumes it all. The result, though is that the people realize the Lord is God and Ahab runs away and his prophets are dead. And this is kind of a a sign, right? Like God will start to use these prophets to speak the truth of who God is. And these signs and different things are God's way of, you know, coming at these these horrendous people, right? Like, so up until this point, we haven't seen much prophetic. We've seen Saul as one of the prophets. We've seen these David prophesying, but we haven't seen a prophet that's a man of God who is confronting Israel's sin. Yeah, I mean, Samuel and Nathan would be the closest <clears throat> oh, yeah, thing. Yeah. But here's the other thing, right? The kings are fallible, they're weak, right. they're gonna sin. So what does God do? 
he brings back his word. So why do we sit underneath your teaching, Rob, on Sundays? Because we need the word of God spoken in a truthful way that we can understand it and apply it to our lives and turn back towards the Lord. So even for us in the church time, we continually need the word of God spoken into our life so that we can live a righteous and uplife life. These kings, when they divorce themselves from the word of God, they sin and they fall. So if we need the word and we need it spoken, so do prophets still exist today? It's a good question. When you did the spiritual gift on prophecy, we talked about it's really not so much the way we should think of it as a foretelling. It's what? It's a proclamation ministry. Right. So, yes. Are there still prophets? Absolutely. They're pastor shepherds. Right. They're elders in the church that have been given the grace gift of teaching so that the word of God can be rightly handled and people can understand and respond. That's good. But if someone describes themselves as a prophet of God with new revelation, they have some issues that, that we need to make sure that, that we look into that. But That's right. And in, in our history, uh, we've got Mr. Smith that right. resulted in Mormonism. Muhammad results in Islam. They are self-proclaimed prophets. Self-proclaimed prophets who claim to hear from God in supernatural ways. But... What they say goes against what he's already said. Which it always comes back to, we use the truth of God's word to filter these things out. Now, could God reveal himself through a new revelation? Of course, he's God. He's chosen not to, because we have everything we need in the scriptures to guide us. Amen. That'll be the Bible Rundown today. We'll see you tomorrow.